0: Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls, and Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success. Visit crawfordmediagroup.net and click on their banners to visit their websites. And now here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh and John Rush
1: back with another week of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys. John, Roger, Neil, how are you? Great, good. very it was good. good. Thank it was you. Bob. Good catching up with you. So this week we're going to talk about all things college, specifically what's happening at Harvard University. Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard University, turns out not only do you have, at latest count, it's over seven hundred members of the faculty and professors and others who've written letters to the board of overseers saying hey we defend her she should say the president get off her back this kind of thing and now the board of overseers saying we we trust her we're keeping her we trust in her leadership they say and also that she's the right one to heal what's going on it's like are you kidding me she's the one who inflicted this damage in the first place but this is Harvard University. So, for before we go around the table, just to kind of catch everybody up and, and give you some some basic background on this, as you know, it's for a long time colleges have been a bastion of intolerance. Uh, toward anything that's not liberal, left-wing, progressive, woke, you name it. And anti-Semitism is woven into the fabric of colleges and has been for a long time. But it's not just anti-Semitism, it's a bunch of other things as well. Look look how many years you've had college campuses where a conservative is invited by the local conservative group to speak and they have to cancel it because of the threatened riots and violence and they have to sneak conservative speakers in through the back door under police escort. This kind of nonsense is going on in colleges for for a long time, but now suddenly, with the exposure of this blatant anti-Semitism and the display at in Congress with the presidents of MIT, UPenn, and Harvard unwilling to declare that calling for genocide of Jews is a violation of our codes of conduct on the the campuses, now suddenly there's some blowback and the curtains being pulled back a little bit. But you know something? Academia is standing behind these professors. UPenn's president resigned. It was forced out. But that's only because there was a $100 million donor who demanded it. I guarantee you if there wasn't a $100 million donor demanding it, then UPenn's president would still be there. So what in the world is going on? Let's kind of run around the table here for a little bit. John, first of all, your thoughts on on Harvard, does it surprise you at all that Harvard's board of overseers say Claudine Gay, she's still our gal, and while we're at it, hundreds and hundreds of Harvard faculty saying, yeah, get off her back.
2: If they'd lost $100 million like the other college president had done, this would be a different conversation.
1: It would be i know
2: that's what it boils down to guys right uh i i just i don't know to me it's this nonsense just... by really quick but bob utter nonsense not one of those three among many other college presidents university presidents should be in power today knowing all of what goes on on these campuses especially now as you said the curtains peeled back on what's happening in the jewish community on these campuses it's absolutely ridiculous they still have their jobs
1: Right. Because I'm I'm trying to wonder and Neil, maybe let me throw it over to you. What if what if on a college campus we'll say that you had even just one person, one student who was out there chanting genocide for blacks or, or you know, genocide for gays or anything like that. We all know that that student would be expelled, let alone hundreds of students doing something like this. There's not a chance in the world that these college presidents, Neil, would say, well, you know, but we do believe in free speech. And, well, you know, that really depends on the context. We wouldn't hear any of that kind of nonsense if this were calls for genocide against LGBT, against blacks or anything like that, which, by the way, would also be unacceptable. So it, it's staggering to me that they can not see that big of an issue and they can't declare this as a violation of codes of conduct for students to call for the extermination of jewish people
3: well yeah and some of these people have you know experienced uh backlash simply because of the t-shirt they wore or the bumper sticker they have in their car i mean anti-semitism is as much hate speech as racism is or homophobic comments however you want to define that um so where where's the university president in taking a firm stand against genocide you know for the jews seriously i mean this is an absolute joke and then that the liberal community rushes in because apparently now the liberal community tolerates hate speech that's what it is i mean by their own definition we're not making that up we're just quoting you know exactly what they've done this kind of stuff just leaves you scratching your head it's it's infuriating and thank God for that $100 million donor that was able to hold U Penn's president's feet to the fire, right? I mean, Amen. Money talks. Amen. There you go. Right. I know.
2: My wife but, and I were, t- were talking about that last night, guys. I mean, you know what? Don't know who that person is, um, but you know what? Um, give them credit. Give them credit. Yeah, it's well, a
1: guy. I can't remember what the guy's name is, but he runs a uh, obviously a big bazillion dollar collection of businesses or something. But he uh, he, he he. It is an individual. And I just can't recall off the top of my head what the name of the guy was, but his donation was actually a donation going back to 2017. What he did was he gave Harvard University shares of his company and the value of those shares right Mm -hmm. now are a hundred million dollars. But that's something that it's not officially given to them. It's just basically he can take it back anytime he wants to. And so he's saying, I'm taking it back and you don't get it back. Unless and until she's gone, and so that's good for him. That's you know, and I, you're right, good for him. Yeah. But Harvard, Harvard, there's an estimate now that they've lost about a billion dollars in donations, and that doesn't seem to that So, so the question for, for
2: both of you guys is: is what you know, and I know it's probably going to be different for each university, but where's that threshold to where they start feeling enough pain financially where they've got to rethink what they're doing?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I really don't. I mean, isn't
2: that really the question when it all comes down to it? Well, it it ought to be one dollar when you think about stuff you. Agree. Yes, agree.
3: Totally agree. I just uh, googled. I don't know if it's accurate, but it says that the Harvard endowment right now is at fifty-three point two billion dollars. So that's they lost one fifty-third of you know. In in, in that type of a situation, you know, it's really not that big of a hit for Harvard, and maybe they're willing to absorb it, but the bottom line is these universities want money, and money does talk, so I say keep the pressure on. And you got to believe that Harvard has enough uh, graduates who've been successful in business and law and medicine that there are many other $100 million donors out there at places like Harvard and MIT that can keep the pressure on if they have the backbone to do it.
2: Well, you know, and, and along those lines, and this was a question I wanted to throw at you guys this morning anyways, at what point do a lot of the, you know, hedge funds and so on, that also put, you know, they actually manage these funds for a lot of these different universities, at what point do they say, go find somebody else to manage your funds, or will they?
1: Yeah. yeah who knows? Yeah. <sighs> I, I don't even I don't even know. But I, know I guess it's probably a podcast in and of itself. But well, that's true. But Roger, let me ask you. Of course, Roger Marsh, uh, bottom line, People's Republic of California. Uh, are, are should we really be surprised? This one, this one is so strange to me that people are clutching their pearls and acting shocked about what's going on in these college campuses and with Harvard University. And I'm like, wait a minute here. Uh, they, w- those of us on the right. Have been talking about the intolerance and anti Semitism and, and hatred and bigotry in college campuses for decades. The anti Jewish hate isn't anything new on college campuses. Anti conservative hate certainly isn't new. How many conservative speakers have had to be ushered by police through a back door for their safety? Right. Okay. Black Lives Matter embracing and the violence and everything else. So, and the intolerance toward anything even remotely off of the woke. Plantation, so I, I, I just don't know why people are acting all surprised. What is it about this one, Roger? That this particular anti-Semitism exposure that's now suddenly causing some independents and even some liberals to go, "Whoa, wait a minute here."
4: Yeah, well, I think what, what John uh, mentioned is, a, is is of paramount importance. There's money attached. I mean, the fact that they're losing donations. I mean, when you get right down to it, no one had a problem with Riley Gaines being chased into a building for her trans remarks, you know, right. talking about women being women and having trans activists chasing her in, pounding on her, literally causing her physical harm, having to hide for three hours in a locked door to keep the act- activists who were trying to protect themselves you know, from around her, Mister flight. I mean, completely rerouted her whole life. And the left had no problem with that. I mean, here in the People's Republic, we have the University of California at San Francisco that actually has a medical degree where they teach abortionists how to perform abortions. I mean, you can get a college credit for that. So that's how far out of line the left is with American values. But all of a sudden, now you hit their pocketbook. You know, remember, this is Harvard, the same school where, you know, quite frankly, if, if you misgender somebody, you can be expelled. But then if you, you know, come up with this kind of anti Semitism type of thing, well, as long as it doesn't hurt our bottom line, yeah, go. I mean, it's free speech. That's what we're talking about. I th- Quite frankly, I mean, not to sound crass. But I think it really just stems with to the money. I mean, you look at Penn, okay. University of Pennsylvania. They they know a thing or two about money. I'm like, aren't they attached? To, what's that library? Uh, who's that guy? I think oh in the yeah. White House now. <laughs> some yeah. some Biden
1: pens. Yeah, or something, something like that. that. I mean, yeah.
4: if any if, if anyone knows, I mean, they had a hundred million dollars, maybe in legitimate funding, except for the ones coming from China and everywhere else it's coming from. I right. mean, come on, it's just it's yeah. it, it really it's just money, and 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 it's sad to say, but the people who are clutching their pearls are probably clutching their purse more
1: okay now let me i want to ask you about that okay because and i'm going to play devil's advocate on the money issue here i i agree with you guys that usually in most things you can just follow the money but let me throw a little bit of a monkey wrench in that and i'll do that in just a moment as you listen to this podcast folks we want to remind you that we desperately need you if you haven't already to save some babies lives through pre-born and you hear us talk about preborn on this show. Remember, pre-born is the main pro life group that shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms in pro-life centers all across the country. And when a mom sees a picture of her baby, she chooses life almost all the time. Okay. So she usually ends up accepting the Lord too. So what it falls upon us to do is to pay for as many ultrasound images as possible. Twenty-eight dollars is the average ultrasound expense to stop one abortion to save one baby's life. We're asking you to pray about a number. Take $28 times fill in the blank. Whatever that number is, is it 10 babies, 50 babies, 100 babies, whatever it is, that would be your one-time gift to pre-born and your forever legacy of the amount of babies' lives that you saved. But we also have an anonymous donor who's willing to match dollar for dollar everything our listeners give from now through Christmas. So you know what that means? It's $28 saving two babies' lives. What number will you come up with? Here's how you give. Go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. That's CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on Preborn. You can give right there. And can I just say... We need some of you that are heavy hitters out there. Maybe you run a business or God's blessed you financially. We need some of you to buy ultrasound machines. They're $15,000 for a machine and your forever legacy will be stopping thousands and thousands of abortions. It's a great tax write-off for you too. But remember with the matching donor, now you're buying two ultrasound machines for 15 grand. Same thing, no matter how much you're giving, Go to CrawfordMediaGroup.net, click on Preborn, or you can call 833-850-BABY, at 24-7, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks doing that. As we talk about Harvard University and what's happened there. Okay, let me let me throw a monkey wrench into the money thing here, because I get what you guys are saying about, hey, you know what, follow the money. Once you know, Roger, as you said, they're not clutching their pearls as much as they're clutching their purses. I get that but this started with the donors themselves pulling the don't uh, pulling their donations and these donors these are overwhelmingly liberal democrats also so wh- why i understand the college board of overseers are saying hey we got to start taking stuff like this seriously because it's hitting us in the purse but what caused The liberal Democrat voting donors themselves to start pulling their money from something like this. That's what Or is it that one started it was a spark and then it was a snowball with the rest of the donors?
4: Yeah, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. That's the whole song. I mean you get right if it's the they're so uh influenced by what everybody else is doing and let's not forget too i mean that that a lot of the seat of the power of these donations and these hedge funds and these places that are giving that are saying wait a minute i mean culturally if for no other reason we have ties to israel So, you know, when you get right down to it, look at the Hollywood world, look at the political world, there's still a huge Jewish influence there. And so if it makes them look bad culturally, notice that the United States has, uh, you know, they're not calling for the ceasefire, you know, on the UN side, the US has been supportive of Israel, uh, even to the fact where there were a couple of attacks uh, recently that were linked back to uh, munitions that Israel got from the US. So the idea that politically you know this is where it, it, politics makes for strange bedfellows i think i mean the idea that if one of them does it everybody else wants to do it because they don't want to be on the wrong island you know i mean and i i think there is a certain measure of peer pressure going on here bob you're right i mean it's a, it's a total double standard it's complete hypocrisy but should we expect anything less from the left if it weren't for double standards they wouldn't have any standards at all i
1: know i guess i'm just neil i guess i'm just not surprised by any of this because as i said before Conservatives have been talking about college campuses for a long time. College campuses have already been bastions of hatred and intolerance and bigotry and anti-Semitism and certainly anti-conservatism. This is what they've been doing for a long time. This is how they've been scrambling the brains of our kids for a long time. And I guess I, I'm I'm just scratching my head trying to figure out why did this suddenly become a a bridge too far uh, for even a lot of people in the media right now? Are they really getting an epiphany that, hey, there's a problem in our college campuses? Or are they just kind of, well, all right, politically, this is blowing up in our face. I guess we better sound like civilized people and condemn it.
3: I mean, this is way out in left field, but I think, you know, how Biden is polling right now plays into this, which somebody might yeah. say I'm out of my mind for trying to trying to point that out. But I think that there's like a day of reckoning that comes when people start reading the polls and reading public opinion and beginning to feel what, you know, what they can sense from what is hanging in the air. And I, I kind of think right now they have gone a bit too far. And, and maybe this is uh, the epiphany that we've been waiting for, for people in the mushy middle. Like... Are Americans paying attention to what's going on here? Because the sheet's been pulled back, the cover is off, and now we can see what is actually happening on college campuses. Before, I think, some people said, oh, that's just crazy conservatives saying that, you know, that there's danger with this woke agenda and critical race theory and the Black Lives Matter ideology. All these things are just, you know, they're fads. It's just kids being kids, blah, blah, blah. No, there's like indoctrination going on here. This is um, this is an entire indoctrination of a culture, and it's happening in distinct and planned ways on college campuses. This is exactly what they want people to be and do and know. And when somebody's willing to call them out, God bless Elise Stefanik for asking a tough question and then holding her ground. Um, all of a sudden, what these people really believe is on display. And I think that's good for America, I, hopefully, because it's it's a revelation of the truth. And ultimately, right. truth prevails. So I'm hopeful that this can lead to real change.
1: You know, John, I'm curious to get your take on the plagiarism thing here as well, because I don't know if you guys have seen some of the side-by-side stuff that the Washington Free Beacon researched here, but uh, she clearly engaged in plagiarism in her dissertations, in her writings, in some of her peer review publications, taking from, taking from books, taking from even other Harvard scholars. And we're talking about entire paragraphs where two or three or four words were changed and that was it. But for the most part, copied and pasted. Any student at Harvard University would fail for something like this. And now I'm just trying to have, I'm trying to figure out what happens in the future when any professor says to a student, no, I'm rejecting this paper because this is plagiarized or whatever. You point to the president of the university and say, Well, no, the Board of Overseers redefined plagiarism. They're saying that's not plagiarism which he right. engaged in. And I'm like, how do you in this post-truth world, how do you redefine plagiarism? I'm thinking copy and pa- copying and pasting entire paragraphs from somebody else's paper to Pretty somebody much else's the definition. work. And, and, oh, and by the way, the Board of Overseers said that they are now adding the quotations and adding the citations to these things that are fixing her papers several years later. It's like, okay, well, no harm done. Oh, my goodness. What What are students supposed to do now when they get busted plagiarizing?
2: Well, and I'll I'll say it. I'll be the first one to say this because you guys know me. I don't beat around the bush. If I know where you're wore, going. If she were black, you're going. this would yep. be happening. If this were a white man, you can forget it. You're
1: absolutely right. He would be gone.
2: Yep. Uh, and by the way, including the comments, you know the, her her testimony in front of Congress and so on. Right. If she were anything other than what she is, she'd be gone.
1: I know. You know what? I think you're absolutely that, right. And
2: that, in of itself, in fact, if I were a black man, I'm not. I'm a white man, and I'm proud. By the way, I keep always saying this. You know, God made me this way. I can't change it. I'm not going to apologize for the way God made me. Uh, I'm very happy that you know that that He's given me and blessed me with the life that I have. And and by the way, I think every single person, no matter what their skin color is, should feel exactly the same way. God made you that way. He created you. He knit you in the womb. Be proud of who you are. But the bottom line is, if this was anybody outside of this individual, they wouldn't be there any longer. And that in and of itself should be offensive to other black individuals. I know it really should be. And Roger, let me ask you about and, that. And really quick, guys, by the way, I know some black individuals that would, that would agree with me and say exactly the same thing.
1: Absolutely. And so Roger, I want to throw it over to you. And, and and before you comment on that, if you could just kind of remind us as well, as we're getting coming to the end of the year, people really need to be smart and shrewd with their investing. And and thankfully we've got Dennis Wilson helping our listeners do that.
4: Boy, that's for sure. I mean, you can can rest assured that uh, Dennis Wilson's not going to lead you into investing in an Ivy League school. There's no question about that. But when it comes to being a good stewardship with the resources that God has given to each of us, I love the fact that Dennis is a part of what we do here at National Crawford Roundtable. He's a huge supporter of Christian broadcasting. But he's also a big supporter of the ministries that make this all happen as well and when you in, and make an investment with wilson financial he's got eternity in mind as well as your you know returns here so if you're looking at the stock market and it's going kind of crazy and you're saying gosh what do i do with the funds that god has entrusted to me i want to put them in a safe secure uh, environment that's going to actually generate some revenue Don't just put your money in a bank certificate of deposit where it's gonna sit there for five years and maybe get one or 2% interest. Use a Dennis Wilson CD alternative that's gonna give you a way better return than that, but it's also gonna have long-term care benefits and an an additional death benefit beyond what you would get from a regular life insurance policy. Um, Can't stress enough how important in these strategic times it is to have it like a, a resource like Wilson Financial on your side. And when you click on the Wilson Financial Advisors banner at CrawfordMediaGroup.net, you can get the ball rolling because Dennis can work with anyone anywhere in the United States. And I'm I'm grateful he does that. Boy, he's snickering right now, Bob, at uh, what's happening huh. with Harvard and Penn and everything like that, because that's a big old I told you so. There's a lot of people who have made a lot of money doing those types of things, but they love burying their money in these places where everything is woke. Everything's got a, you know a certain agenda. And the idea that, you know, to John's point, plagiarism and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, My daughter Kaylee recently finished a PhD dissertation at a leading university here in Southern California, and she had 300 citations. It took her five years to write that. That was her full-time job in Mm. addition to being a teacher's Mm. assistant. And when she finished that, I mean, look at the different citations that are on there. They're actually using part of it as curriculum now in the school she went to. I don't say that as a humble brag, but to say, this woman up here plagiarized things like that. I mean, the, 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 the ramifications that would happen to a regular, and John alluded to it as well, uh, non-black student, non-Hispanic student, you know, I mean, just a blue-eyed blonde going in there. I mean, that's a reality. The fact that she had to be extra careful to make sure that she didn't cross a line because one false, you know, sw- one false step and next thing you know, you're out, but oh, by the way, your research belongs to the university. So we'll go ahead and we'll turn this into curriculum and we'll turn this into publications and we'll get grants off of what you did. I mean, that's mm. the business side of it. I mean, there's there's so much money in the grants behind the scenes. The idea that the president of the university has been plagiarizing and they're just going to go back and say, whoops, my bad. I mean, that's. that's Let's insane. go ahead and add the citations, attributions yes. And,
1: yes. and quotation marks now. We'll just yeah. do it now. And then we're retroactively. Suddenly, that fixes everything. No, God, gee, get, it's that's like robbing a bank. And that you know, DB Cooper finally gets busted and caught. <laughs> okay, well, I'll give the money back. Okay, well then, yeah. no harm, no foul. No, Never happened. You robbed right. the bank. You mm-hmm. committed the crime. Right. Okay. Uh, it's like, oh, you know, Neil. If you think about it, all three of us, as uh, all four of us, as talk show hosts, we uh we also we have to pay attention to things like say, citation and attribution and such and we've all done this we know what it's like when we're when we're ad-libbing on the air and then we go and quote somebody we common sense okay we say okay here's what so and so said in this article quote and then you read it and then you finish it with unquote and so the audience knows when you're operating off your own brain and when you're operating off of somebody else's this is just this and we're not academics okay we're
2: we're, right. we're talk show hosts yeah, uh, we're, we're not getting so many, a degree for what we do guys
1: right exactly and we're not judging other people and grading other people based on their own independent thought either okay, like the Harvard president does. But I, I got to tell you, Neil, I don't know if you know who Carol Swain is. Carol Swain wrote a, wrote a book. She's an African-American academic. She's a scholar, retired Vander, Vanderbilt University professor. She wrote a book, Black Faces, Black Interests, and she happens to be one of the people, Neil, that was plagiarized entire paragraphs of her book, copied and pasted into the dissertations written by Claudine Gay. And this woman speaking out, Carol Swain, she's also an African-American and a scholar. And she says, I don't appreciate that. She ought to step down. I worked hard to come up with the stuff that I put in my book, and I don't appreciate somebody else copying and pasting it. Uh, Does she get any justice? Doesn't sound like it.
3: Well, I don't know what President Gay thought she would gain by plagiarizing I mean isn't good research about laziness it of course it it, all it is is laziness because good research includes quoting uh, other research studies whether they prove or disprove your theory they help you make the case for whatever it is you're trying to prove I don't know why she would run away from that uh, and whether it was just an attempt attempt to be you know self aggrandizing or something but uh, absolutely she should be held to account and For no other reason, because that's exactly what these universities are supposed to stand for. Uh, And we all wrote research papers somewhere along the line, and we were required to do this. So it's not that hard. It just takes a little
4: extra time. We did right. it on typewriters with world book encyclopedias. as <laughs> our references. Right. And, <laughs> exactly. And, and
3: whiteout. Whiteout, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah right we, didn't have, right, we didn't burned. have
2: copy and paste. Okay? <laughs> we had, you guys, I, I grew up at a time where my, my mom, when we were younger, one of the ways she made money was she was very good at shorthand, and she used to take, because we were in a college town, University of Colorado, and she was one of those individuals that would take all of those papers and those dissertations and so on, and she was the typist for a lot of those individual mm. students. Mm-hmm. So I can remember sitting around watching my mom literally you know, type all those things out and wondering... I mean, how right. in the world do you even gather that much information to put all of that into a handwritten right. note that you then give to my mom and have her type it out for you?
1: I know. It's, it's crazy. Look, in the second half, we're going to expand this discussion to colleges in general. Is it really worth it for Christian parents to send their kids to college? Uh, we're going to have that discussion and debate in the second half of this podcast. In the meantime, you know, we're coming up on Christmas, and I just want to ask you folks, if you have not yet given to preborn, would you do that now? We're asking our audience to pay in a one time gift to preborn, pay for ultrasounds to save babies' lives. Preborn shows these ultrasounds in pro life centers across the country. The moms choose life, they don't go to Planned Parenthood. They usually end up accepting the Lord, too. How many babies' lives will you save? $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion through ultrasounds. Take $28 times fill in the blank. Whatever that number is, it may be God's laid on your heart. And that's your one-time gift. But remember, we have an anonymous donor who's matching dollar for dollar everything you give. So now $28 saves two babies' lives. How many babies' lives will you save? And also, we need some... Heavy hitters out there to buy some ultrasound machines. Fifteen thousand dollars buys one ultrasound machine. Your legacy forever will be saving thousands of babies' lives. Nice tax write-off maybe for you and your business at the end of the year. And with the anonymous donor, that's now two ultrasound images, two ultrasound machines that your fifteen grand is buying. So whether it's twenty-eight times whatever it is or the fifteen grand, we need you to go to crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on Preborn give there. And also you can call 833-850-BABY. They answer the phones 24-7, 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks listening. Uh, You can watch video of us at myhopenow.com. Follow My Hope Now wherever you follow your social media. And we're going to dive into the second half discussion of this
0: next. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.
1: Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with all of the guys, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, Roger Marsh, the bottom line for the People's Republic of California, myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. First half of the podcast, we talked about Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard University. All the craziness going on there, her plagiarism, her anti-Semitism, and what in the world's going on with these colleges. In this second half, we want to dive into a broader discussion of going to college in the first place. Now, let me just say, guys, the last thing I want to do is act all judgmental and, and high and mighty about people that have sent their kids to college, okay? But I'm just going to speak for me and our household None of my boys have gone to college. I've got six boys. And frankly, I've actually discouraged them from going to college. Unless there's a particular thing that they want to, if they want to be a doctor, if they want to be specifically you know, an engineer or a lawyer or something like that, okay, fine, there's specific degrees that you need. But to go to college for the experience and kind of meander your way through college and figure out what you want to do for your life, no, it's not worth it to me. And the reason it's not is because these colleges just scramble the brains of our kids with ungodly worldviews. And you look at the, the polls and statistics of kids that are raised in Christian homes. Uh, you, you look in the churches, and they're 14, 15 years old in the youth groups. But then walk out into the sanctuary and see how many 19-year-olds you see in the sanctuaries of churches. Relatively Very, very few. And most of the polls and statistics show that between 70% and 90% of kids who are raised in Christian homes end up walking away from the Lord. And those numbers are the highest for kids who go to college. So uh, frankly, I don't want my boys to go into a college and run the risk of having their worldview altered to believe that the Bible is not true Jesus Christ is not Lord become a leftist Marxist a woke liberal Democrat and and develop the kind of product and fruit that's being produced in these colleges it's just not worth it to me even if it means they may be able to make uh they may be able to make hundred thousand dollars a year more than they could have. I've told all of my boys and I'll just, I'm done with my rant here after this and I want to throw it around the table. I've told every single one of them if I had a choice between you being a rich millionaire business owner or executive or whatever but not really walking with the Lord or being a 40-year-old loser fry cook at McDonald's living in dad's basement, but at least you're committed to following the Lord. If those are the only two choices I have, I'd rather you be the fry cook living in my basement walking with the Lord. That's more important to me. I prefer a third option, be successful financially, walk with the Lord, and take care of mom and dad in our old age. But if those are the two only I have to choose from, it's more important to me to protect your walk with the Lord. And so that's why to me, guys, I gotta be honest with you, I just... Mm -hmm. I I see college as a minefield that's just flat out not worth it. Now, that's my attitude, and I know not everybody's going to agree with me, but let's kind of go around the table and get everybody's take on this. Is college really worth it these days, especially when you spend the amount of money that you do in student loan debt until Uncle Joe pays it off? Roger, what's your take
4: on this? Well, it's interesting because having uh, three biological kids, and of course, Lisa and I have blended family, so she's got three uh, kids of her own. Uh, One of her children went to college. All three of mine did. And the reason mine did was because they all got into education. They wanted to be teachers. My oldest daughter is a middle school band teacher in a public school. My youngest son just got a job as the band director at his alma mater, which is kind of fun. And then the aforementioned younger daughter who finished up a PhD and is doing a postdoctoral fellowship, but she's not working in academia. And they would all say the same thing, Bob. We totally agree with you. College isn't worth it unless it's worth it. I mean, if it's a career path, there was a time, you know, when we were coming up, Mm -hmm. I think we have one college degree between the four of us here. Um, (laughs) We'd get right down to it. When we were, when we were, yeah, when we were coming up, um, you, 10% of our, classmates went to college, you know, I mean, and very few of them graduated. I mean, you you went to college, if you were going to become a doctor, if you were going to become an attorney, if you were going to become a school teacher, that's what you did. And then somewhere in the 1980s, they were able to sell baby boomers who were yuppies at that time, who all, you know, traded in their hippie stuff for minivans and uh, homes in the suburbs, that the only way your child's going to be happy and succeed is if you go to college. And so here come the second mortgages and the student loans and, and the student loan debt is just astronomical right now. But about 10, 15 years ago, people began to realize, hey, wait, this, there's not this direct payoff. You know, when you had cab drivers with bachelor's degrees and receptionists with master's degrees, right. all of a sudden positions that did not require that level of education. I'll give you just a personal anecdote because I don't want to hog the whole time. But when I was, i have been in the business about 10 years in a local community college here in Southern California has a really strong radio broadcasting program and they needed someone to just air check the students and teach a music programming class. And so I had not any formal training other than a local school uh, for this type of thing. But I had been the general manager of a radio station and been on the air. So they hired me. And so I was making pretty good money. They brought me in at a master's level, even though I didn't have a f- college degree. About 15 years later, the same school, I got a call from them. And they said, hey, we got a, a teacher who's on sabbatical for the semester. We need someone. Now I've got three times the experience I had before. And they said, would you be interested in taking this one class and doing this lecture? I said, sure, that'd be a lot of fun. So I turned in all the paperwork and everything and the guy called me back and he goes, do you have a degree? I said, no, I don't. He goes, well, we can't consider you without a degree. I said, why not? He goes, well, because it, it could be a degree in anything. We don't really care. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, it, well, because now the union had taken over and now they, and when I finally right. did go and give a guest lecture, the 50 students I'd seen 50 years ago was five. And mm-hmm. all they wanted to do was podcast. They didn't care, but they had so many layers of bureaucracy there that they didn't right. have before. Everybody was part-time. We went before. But the idea that now the unions have taken over and they've got all these standards and the provost and the assistant provost and the vice deans and this, that, and the other thing, a lot of mouths to feed. But the whole idea that formalized education now is a pathway to a career, I think, is pretty much dead and gone. And I would tell my grandchildren the same thing. We don't have a college fund for my grandson, Isaac. They have a 529, but my his parents are very much aware of the fact that he may not go to college. And that's just not an automatic given where it was for me. My parents were educators. They said, you're all going to college. And my brother has advanced degrees and my sister has advanced degrees and I'm a radio talk show host. So go figure, you know, I, I mean, know. We, yeah, go figure. I mean,
1: it's a you know what? Day. I, I, look, if you, other than if you want to be a, a specific career, like for example, the educator or things like that. Okay. I get that. But most people, Roger, you're absolutely right. They don't work in jobs that their degrees happen to be in, but they now they got $100,000 in debt that they got to pay off. And they walked through four years of a minefield as far as their worldview goes. Uh, to me, the risk is just not worth it. But, uh, Neil, what's your take on this? How should Christian parents look at the issue of sending their kids to college these days?
3: Well, there's so many variables, and I think we need to talk about you know the spiritual part, and uh the indoctrination part and all of that but just on the practical side like like roger's talking about um i'm i guess i'm the only one with a college degree and then i also have a master's degree neither of which i've basically used in any capacity in the job that i do uh as a talk show host for you know crawford broadcasting crawford media group so um go figure and uh does that mean that it didn't help open the door? I don't know. I think it probably caught some attention when I initially got hired, but the reality is I was up against a guy with 15 years of secular radio experience. I had uh, four or five years of part-time Christian radio experience, and then I worked two years in sales for Continental Broadcasting, which was Pat Robertson's group, in, um it was the, the secular subsidiary of CBN, you know, the 700 Club mm-hmm. and all that. So I worked for WXRI uh, in Portsmouth, Virginia for two years in sales, but I was also doing overnights, um, On the station so i I don't know and then i got out and i I got a job as a uh working as a development director for a not-for-profit and that's actually what opened the door for me because when wdcx said hey you've got some radio background would you consider applying here i did um and in the end mr crawford who gave the final word to go ahead and hire me said well this one guy has 15 years experience obviously his demo tape sounds better he's got more experience in radio tell me about this kid over here well, you know, he's been a development director, blah, 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 and he's worked part-time in radio, uh, and he's obviously not quite as talented or gifted at this point. He's, he's, you know, he sounds like he's a little rough, he needs some work, but um, but he knows the entire Christian community. He knows all the pastors. He knows everybody that's affiliated with all the Christian organizations, and Mr. Crawford said, hire the kid. And so it really had nothing to do with my degree at all. And I would mm-hmm. argue, I mean, my, uh, my daughter has a master's in social work. My son, my youngest son, has a business degree and is vice president of a company. My middle son is my producer. He didn't go to college, but he said, "You know, while the rest of you go to college and, and rack up loans, I'm going to be saving my money." And he did. And right out of right out of the box, uh, got married and bought a four unit apartment building and was turning a profit on that. Um, you know, early on in his marriage, living in one of the units and still turning a profit from the other three. Saved up more money, bought a two-unit, now lives in the two-unit. So he's got four, I'm sorry, five other units that are turning a profit. Mm -hmm. And he's financially secure. He's not a millionaire, but my point is... He's done a lot more with what was entrusted to him than I ever did. I took my, you know, talent and sure. buried it in the ground. Uh, <laughs> he's he's put his to work for him, and he's got a business mind, and yet he doesn't have a college education. But he's very intuitive, very smart, and um, he not only works as my producer, he's got his own radio show, and he's been allowed to do sales, and he sold out his radio show. Uh, so, wow. I mean, um, yeah, uh, so uh, does any of this really in the end matter? I mean, and this is anecdotal, I understand, but I, I really think that there's a strong case to be made for the fact that you don't really have to go to college to get somewhere in life.
1: Yeah, especially when the potential downside for your worldview and your walk with the Lord is potentially a risk. And so, uh, listen, as we continue talking about this, John, going to go over to you in just a second, but uh, first... If you haven't given to Preborn yet, folks, please do it now. We're kind of winding down the year. And if maybe you're looking for a nice tax write-off for yourself, for your business possibly, do you know we need some people in the audience, maybe you own a business or you have just been blessed financially, we need some people to buy ultrasound machines for pre-born. Because ultrasound machines are what's used to, show, to, to, to save these babies' lives, to show moms pictures of their babies. They choose life in pro-life centers. But these ultrasound machines cost $15,000 a piece. So is there somebody out there that will buy an ultrasound machine for preborn? Your forever legacy will be saving thousands and thousands of babies' lives. That will be your forever legacy. Would you prayerfully consider doing that right now? Nice tax write-off for you too. And we have an anonymous donor that now through Christmas will match dollar for dollar everything given. So now that $15,000 will buy two ultrasound machines. Think about for the rest of your life, the amount of abortions that you get to realize that you, your company, your family stopped. So will somebody do that? Now, for the rest of you, uh, $28 stops one abortion through ultrasound images. So how many babies' lives will you save? Take $28 times fill in the blank, whatever that number is. But multiply times two with the anonymous donor. So either side of this giving, we need you to go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. CrawfordMediaGroup.net Click on Preborn Give right there And if you want to talk to a real life person on the phone They answer 24-7 Call right now 833-850-BABY 833-850-BABY Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call We appreciate you folks doing that As we talk about college and whether it's worth it or not, you know, John. I was thinking as as I was listening to, uh, as I was listening to Neil talk, it was reminding me. And I think you, as a business owner, will probably appreciate this. You know, I've never had a day of college in my life, not even a day. Uh, but every company that I've ever gone to, I kind of told myself, well, I'm going to work harder than everybody else. I'm going to apply yep. myself, and I'm going to work my way up in the company. I, I before I got into radio. I I was national press secretary for Christian Coalition for Pat Robertson. But it's because I took the initiative to call them in Washington, D.C. and say, I notice you guys don't have a Michigan chapter. Are you interested in talking to me about setting up and organizing one? So they flew me out to Washington, met with me. Pat Robertson spent a few hours with me interviewing me, was so impressed. It's like, I want you to be the national spokesman for our company. I I didn't have a college degree to go in. And by the way, John, getting into radio— that was like somebody tried to talk me into radio, a radio host, and I was like, I don't know, you know, there's Specs Howard, as so everybody has to go to get a radio and broadcasting degree. Right. It's like, no, nah, I'm going to find a local brokered station, small brokered station. Uh, I'll pay him a hundred dollars an hour to go on the air and test my and, and teach myself how to do radio. I did that for a year. I sold my own advertising. I sold out my my station or my show, and then I went to a regular uh, radio commercial radio station. And said, look, I don't expect you to put me on the air yet. I'll mop floors. I don't care. I'll weekend board up for you. I just want to be in the building and prove myself because I believe when positions open up on air that I'll be in a position to earn the right to go on the air. So start me at the bottom if you would. That was my attitude. I'd go in there humbly. And what? And they had me on the air like in three weeks. And then I had my own show in about a month. Okay, But I had to earn that. I didn't get a Specs Howard degree or any kind of broadcasting degree. Uh, if people will apply themselves and work hard, then they can usually rise to the top in just about any industry they go to. And I know you, as a business owner, know that more than anybody.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I talk about this on air quite often. Being you know self-employed since I was uh, 22 years of age and. And if, you know, learned through the School of Hard Knocks, like you, Bob, never, you know, never went to any kind of formal college, you know, did some business classes and some things like that through the years. And, mm-hmm. you know, did some things even inside of the industry that I was in at the time in the automotive industry. Uh, but at the end of the day, really just learned it all from, honestly, good mentors and, and you know, other people right. being around and, again, making mistakes, having failures. I mean, all those things that you learn in <laughs> business that... Again, I don't think we teach our young kids. They think that everything's going to be just this pie in the sky, and everything's hunky dory, and you never have to have any kind of, you know, any kind of uh, uphill battles in life. And nothing could be further from the truth. And, and yes, being you know, being a faithful servant and putting God first and, you know, doing all of those things, of course, helps. But again, that's there's no guarantee. You've got to do exactly what you said, Bob. Even, with, even if you go to college and get a degree, you still got to outwork everybody right. else because that degree is not going to get you ahead of everybody else. It's the that's guy right. that outworks the next guy that's always going to succeed. It's one of those things I taught my kids, and some went to college, some didn't. They're all very successful today. They've held jobs, even through deep recessions and so on. And I think it's because of that work ethic that's been instilled in each one of them. And so, yeah, I would tell any young person today, number one, you don't need college to succeed. I, Bob, you are living proof that you don't have to. In fact, I will tell you right now that in some cases, I think it's a huge hindrance, the amount of money that it takes and the time that you're wasting. I'm literally going to say that, wasting, spending that time in college, unless you're going to be you know, some sort of a medical doctor, neurosurgeon, something along those lines those lines and we need those people and there's some calling on some folks life to do that that's a whole different situation but outside of that guys honestly you can learn the majority of what you need to by just absorbing and being around the people that are the experts in that field there's an old saying study something an hour a day for a year and you'll be an expert in it this isn't that difficult you just have to learn how to outwork the next guy
1: John, you are so right. And I mean, one of the things I've I was talking about my boys, what I've told my boys all the time is that you can go to college and pay someone to learn something or you can get into a field and get paid to learn that. Either Correct. way, you're getting an education. All Correct. right, you work harder than anybody and all a degree is going to do is possibly give you an advantage getting your foot in the door. But and once that's more, done- And anymore, that's
2: starting to be dropped by a lot of uh, employers as well. There's a right. lot of articles out even in the last couple of months saying exactly that because of the shortage in certain areas of workers, they're just looking for people, Bob, that'll do the things you and I are talking about.
1: That's right. And I guarantee you, nobody is going to consider advancement or growth or raises or, or anything like that for you once you're in a company by going back and say, well, yeah, but, you know, this worker that's been with us three years, you know, he's kind of lazy and he gets outproduced by other people. But, you know, he's the one with a college degree. That college degree means yeah. nothing Not matter, once right?
2: you're in there. At what that point. profit are you providing the company that you work for? That's right. what it comes down to
3: Um, can i just add i mean i think it needs to be said uh the opportunities are vast the kind of things that you guys are describing are absolutely 100 percent true and you know based on the cost of college education right now and the exposure to the woke agenda and all that stuff which we're going to talk about i hope but you know um but i think i love you guys but i wouldn't let either one of you do brain surgery on me so i mean there are i think certain (laughs) limitations to what we're talking
4: about you know i might Maybe. <laughs> but only if you stay at a Holiday Inn mean, Express a, the night before. Yeah. You're a man Sometimes of faith, Sometimes I feel Roger. like you guys did do
1: brain surgery on me.
4: <laughs> that's good. <laughs>
1: Looks like somebody did already.
4: You know, yeah, we you were talking about the cost benefit, but also the yeah. value that's added to, you know, John, you were talking about profitability. And then there's the, 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 the intangibles. And I think each of you have been sharing the fact that in your jobs, in your careers, in your professions, You've been able to add value to the companies that you work for in addition to just, you know, profitability, whether it's the personality that you bring or, you know, that that can do attitude, the, the learning styles. You know, I mean, you think about I, I, I shudder to think of what young men are going through right now, knowing that the public education system from preschool on has been so geared toward uh, feminine styles of learning. You know, a classic feminist uh, mantra, you know, which is, well, girls aren't doing as well in STEM and this, that and the other thing. So we have to change all the rules and make it more comfortable for them. Then, well, if it puts boys at a disadvantage, no one cares. And then they all get to high school and college, and you find out that the interest in STEM among w- fit women isn't any better than it was twenty years ago. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. exposing them to it is one thing, but saying, look, if the whole idea of parenting isn't it, is to find out what your how your kids are wired and then help them to be the best them they can. I mean, you know, the the, the whole thriving and fruitfulness, we can't. None of my kids were going to be professional athletes. It would have been silly for me to spend time investing hour and after hour after hour into that. Lee's daughter, Taylor, played Division One college tennis and now runs a tennis academy. So it did make right. sense for her to pour hours and hours oh, into know. that. And she benefited from college until she didn't. I mean, she went, right. she played four years, had a medical issue, had to stop playing and then Never finished her degree, but she's thriving, mm-hmm. you know, in her in her world right now. So the college education experience can be beneficial. The college graduation experience doesn't always have the payoff.
1: Yeah, and, and this is where we just you need to get sound judgment, sound advice. And by the way, on, on a side note, if I can say. Roger Wilson. We talk about Roger Wilson. Uh, Roger, we talk about Dennis Wilson a lot, obviously. And and one of the things that we do, part of part of being educated, part of being wise, is being wise with your money. And I'm thinking, especially coming on the end of the year, oh yeah, uh, there's a lot of wisdom that Dennis Wilson can supply to our
4: listeners. Sure, as you're coming up on December 31st and thinking about charitable contributions, for example. And of course, Dennis would say, make a healthy donation to Preborn. He has, he's a big supporter. He's purchased a couple of ultrasound machines for pre-born because he believes in that ministry. But that's a, that's something you could do that is great for your moral compass, but also it's good for your financial balance. And, and those are the types of investments that Dennis will steer people toward. If you have a 401k right now and you've watched it drop 20% per year uh, for the past couple of years because of inflation and because of Bidenomics, Uh, you need to get out of the market and get into other investment strategies. And that's where Dennis can help you get into the kinds of strategies that are, say, a real estate investment trust that actually invested real estate here in the U.S. and not some kind of blind trust somewhere else where you'll never see the property. You're helping people, you're benefiting, you know, mankind, but you're also being a good steward with the resources that God has entrusted to you. 800-696-9970 is the number to call Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial, or just go click on the banner at Wilson, for Wilson Financial at crawfordmediagroup.net. Get that appointment going even now before the end of the year. Have that initial con- consultation because there are some things you can do even in these last couple of weeks of 2023 that will make your tax statements next April look a lot better than they are right now.
1: Absolutely. So Neil, I guess you were mentioning the woke thing before. And uh, to me, I guess one of the biggest reasons why I just don't want to my kids to go to college, frankly, is I don't want to risk turning them into intolerant, left-wing, Marxist, communist, global warming obsessed, evolution believing, abortion supporting, LGBT celebrating, gender confused, Democrat voting, former Christians. To me, it's just not worth that. But it also seems, Neil, that the wokeness and the safe spaces, and we got to protect the kids from being triggered and whatever in these college campuses, the intolerance that they that they uh, practice. This isn't healthy for the kids. It's not preparing kids for the real world when you protect them from conservative viewpoints because you know what? When kids get out of college and they get into the real real world, Neil, you know what? They're going to find out, "Hey, I have to interact and work with Trump supporters, Republican voters, born-again evangelical Christians, pro-lifers, people that aren't on the global warming bandwagon. I mean, these people are out there. They're part of the world. They're woven into the fabric of society. And our college kids aren't being prepared to have critical thinking skills and to engage in discussions and debates with with people of opposing views. They're being being, uh, basically protected from that, wrapped in bubble wrap and isolated from any of those kind of evils that the colleges perceive out in the world. So I I just, to me, it's not only an unhealthy space that they're creating in these colleges, but I would argue they're teaching these kids to be a bunch of thin-skinned, entitled, whiny babies that get out into the real world and say, how dare you expect me to earn a living and uh, to engage in conversation with people I disagree with
3: but how do you feel about these things Bob? <laughs> <laughs> drives me nuts <laughs> well you know what there 's so much to say here, and I know we 're short on time let me yeah um, one of my concerns i think I think Christian parents ought to look seriously about you know the value of sending kids to Secular universities, for all the reasons that we might imagine, you know, the the concerns about wokeism and the Black Lives Matter agenda and stuff, which none of which will destroy you in and of itself, but it's the indoctrination, it's the mindset, it's the um, it's the constant harping on these kind of things, and that you know, and the questioning of anything like biblical values or absolute moral truth. Um, but then again, let me just say. I would be equally concerned about what I call CINOs, Christian in name only universities that, that may have some kind of Christian name or sometimes kind of a history, but they've got tenured professors that are now teaching the same kind of stuff in Christian universities, just dressed up in Christian in you know clothing, like it, it's mm. really kind of scary, and right. so yeah, a, a place like Houghton University, by the way, which is right here in our listening area, they're one of our advertisers. Absolutely committed to biblical values, unwavering. They they don't allow pronouns to be used on campus. This isn't a hyper legalistic school. It's just a school that's utterly committed to biblical values. And by the way, they're the lowest cost Christian education in North America. But you've got this slide going on even in Christian circles. So I, I would say that simply sending your kids to a Christian school doesn't mean that they're going to come out any better and I think obviously all of this still begins in the home we talked about it last week with yeah. high schools kids need to be, pre- be prepared early on you can't be thinking about this stuff when it's time to send your kid to college because it's going right. to be too late
1: yeah so true so true where in the world does the time go I, I tell you we always appreciate you folks listening to us we do and if you if you haven't given to Preborn yet please do that now we want you to support Dennis Wilson Wilson Financial as well regarding Preborn, if you can buy one of these ultrasound machines machines like dennis wilson has done a couple times they're fifteen thousand dollars a piece but your forever legacy is going to be thousands and thousands of babies lives that are saved it's a nice tax write-off for you too and we have an anonymous donor they're matching dollar for dollar everything you give so 15 grand will buy two ultrasound machines Uh, would you consider doing that right now everybody and for the rest of you that's like bob i can't do 15 grand okay $28 is the ultrasound cost to stop one abortion. How many abortions will you be willing to stop in a one-time gift? Take $28 times fill in the blank. Is it 10 babies, 50 babies, 100 babies? Same thing, matching donor. Now it's double. That's now through Christmas. So either way, I want you to give right now by going to crawfordmediagroup.net, crawfordmediagroup.net, click on Preborn. You can give right there. 100% of what you give goes to ultrasounds, 100%, not a penny for overhead. You can also call and talk to a real-life person. The answer to the phones 24-7, 833-850-BABY, 850 baby. We thank you for doing that. We thank you for watching and listening to our podcast. You can watch it at myhopenow.com. Certainly follow my hope now, wherever you follow your social media and Roger Marsh of the bottom line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, Neil Boron, Neil Boron live out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco, the Bob Duco show out of Detroit. Guys, always great catching up with you. Thanks a lot. Uh, We'll see you next week. So you Have a great Thanks, week. So Always. We her. You bet. Thanks for listening, everybody. God bless.
0: You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Preborn logo to donate to save babies now and Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on the Wilson Financial Services logo to learn more. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at Group.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Be sure to follow My Hope Now wherever you follow social media. And please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. Look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This is a Crawford Media Group production.